Today, I'm speaking with Jara Ryan. She's SVP of Compliance with First Choice Loan Services. And we're talking about a really interesting subject, cross-qualifications. You're listening to the Compliance Insiders with Roger Fendelman, where you can hear the best and brightest experts in the mortgage industry discuss compliance and technology issues that affect you. It's all you need to know in 10 minutes or less. Jara, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Great to join you. So we were talking at the MBA annual in Denver last week about cross-qualifications, and I thought it was really interesting. So I'd love for you to explain to the audience what cross-qualifications means and what the problem is. In reality, this is kind of a mind-boggling practice. And as we go through this, some of you listening, you're just going to be shaking your heads, not really understanding what we're talking about until we get through the whole thing. But I think that this is an opportunity for us as compliance professionals to get in front of an action that's going on and help our originators maybe redirect what they're doing or how they do it. So the prospect mortgage case put a spotlight on a practice that many people weren't aware of, and that is that listing agents write in a requirement in the MLS notes that buyers are required to do a cross-qualification with a specific originator. And of course, what allegedly was happening in the prospect case is those prospect originators were paying for that information to be put in and for the opportunity to cross-qualify and hence cross-sell those buyers. There's nothing inherently wrong with the concept of a cross-qualification as long as the originator isn't paying the agent for the cross-qual leads. The problem is there's a little more to the story than just what hit the headlines with the prospect case. And it started at least 10 to 12 years ago, which I know because I was originating in California and some Western states at the time. Then I was later just working as a manager and then in my compliance role at more than one company and found this repeated pattern of behavior and requests for these cross calls. And I think it probably started innocently enough when a listing agent maybe accepted a contract from a lender and that lender letter was really only worth the paper it was written on and ultimately the buyer didn't qualify and the deal fell apart and it was back to the starting line for them. So that realtor may have started a practice saying, hey, you know, I just want you to talk to my lender so that I can feel comfortable accepting your contract. Then I think that what happened is, you know, maybe some sales guru suggested that this was the next greatest way to start building relationships with listing agents and maybe getting access to buyers. And the cross-qual process took off in several regions as a major sales push. Now, I will say this is less prevalent on the East Coast and more prevalent from you know, central to west part of the U.S., but there are parts of this that are in play in a lot of markets. And I think it was really that whole concept of, hey, this is a great way to build relationships with listing agents and to get buyers that triggered the way the cross-qual process evolved. 
Right. And when we were talking earlier, you came up with a really great scenario. Tell us how that plays out so the audience can really understand what this looks like. Okay. So here's the deal. Follow along here because it is a little complicated. We've got Mick the mortgage guy who has Bob the borrower pre-qualified or maybe pre-approved. And that's another topic we could talk about someday. But Bob puts in an offer along with four or five other borrowers on Rhonda Realtor's listing. And she requires all of the buyers to get cross-qualified with Lucy Linder. So Mick doesn't want to lose Bob to Lucy. Lucy doesn't really want Mick to wiggle in on her relationship with Rhonda. And Bob, the buyer, doesn't want to lose out on another offer. So rather than having Bob call Lucy, Mick just picks up the phone and calls Lucy to discuss what Bob's qualifications are. So Lucy, understanding that at any given time, any one of the borrowers she has pre-qualified might be required to do a cross-qual, agrees to work with Mick directly. And then, of course, she's a good originator. She wants to do a good job and be able to show her stuff back to Rhonda the Realtor. And so she asks for copies of Bob's 1003, credit report, AUS findings, and the tax returns since Mick indicated that Bob was self-employed. Mick then sends those documents to Lucy. Lucy reviews everything and then tells Mick and Rhonda, the realtor, that everything is good to go. So we have a significant problem here from the compliance and legal standpoint. This is every lender's worst nightmare because now you have multiple federal and state laws being violated. Even if Mick gets Bob to sign an authorization to release the documents, Are those documents really Mick the Mortgage Guy's documents to release, or do they belong to the mortgage company? Right. Or you mentioned even so, when it comes to sharing things like the results of the AUS from Fannie or Freddie, that's proprietary, and there's no provision in those contracts to allow you to send that to another person or company for viewing, right? That is true. If you review your contracts with Fannie and Freddie, you will find at least one section that will refer to the fact that you're not even allowed to provide a copy of the AUS findings to the borrower. And that might come as a surprise to some people. But that is proprietary information that the lender is required to keep and may only share with, for instance, the mortgage insurance company, the investors that they sell the loan to, etc. They cannot be shared with borrower, third parties, agents, etc. Right. The list of issues seems to go on and on. We'll cover the rest of them in our next podcast and also get some tips from Jarrah on what to do about the issue. Are you a compliance insider? Then go to compliancepodcast.com immediately and join our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Got something to say? Request to be on the show. Go to compliancepodcast.com with your topic ideas. And as always, thank you for listening.